checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Hasn't this been rich so far? Can you handle some more? Man, I just tell you, these things just build on one another. I, um, you know, we've done these conferences now for uh, so long, for, for several years, um, especially in the vein of Kingdom Rise. It was full force Kingdom Conference before that. And each time the, the, the speakers that are lined up, the speakers that we bring in, it just seems that everything just builds on itself. Uh, one thing's connected to the other. We find ourselves... Uh, you know, kind of trampling over, walking over each other's messages. I'm sitting down there this morning. You would think Pastor Daryl and I studied together uh, in preparation for this morning. Um, but that's just how it's been. And, you know, I was telling Pastor Earl back in the, the room before we came out this morning, I said, I've got so many branches, you know, you're trying to dial in which one uh, do you, can, can you take that morning? They're all connected to the same tree. And then Pastor Daryl does what he did, and I'm just sitting, my wife's like laughing at me because she can see my notes, and, and I'm just going, you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. Uh, I, you know, I had the rich young ruler in here, and I'll have some things to say about it, but he pretty much said much of what needed to be said. And, um, but, you know, that's the thing is we get in here, and I may see 10 different ways to go. Somebody's going to hit it. Because by the Holy Spirit, it's not all on me. It's not all on Pastor Earl, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Roddy, Pastor Marcy, anybody else that's speaking. We're all being used. Uh, it's a coordinated effort, if you will. We're all working together, whether we know it or not. Because I texted, or no, we were together, Pastor Earl and I, somewhere. And, uh, you know, I just asked because it's his house. It's his conference. I'm submitted to the, to the man of God and to the plan of God through him. And I just ask, you know, is there any specific theme? Is there any specific direction you want to go with? And he just laughs at me, you know, cause I know the answer, but again, I'm just asking to ask, you know, I just want to be submitted to whatever he's sensing and feeling, whatever direction we should go. And, uh, of course we, we don't line it out that way, but it seems uh, I think every single time we've done a Kingdom Rise conference, we end up in the same vein. We end up in the same theme. Even though it's the kingdom, we're picking apart principles or elements of the kingdom, and they all just connect. And that's the way the kingdom works. That's what we're trying to get across to you. And, and I hope that you are grabbing a hold of that. I had someone tell me yesterday, at next Kingdom Rise, I'm taking two weeks off. One week to receive it, and I need another week just to digest it and process it. Uh, the conversations that we have back in the green room after each session or at lunch or dinner or where, when we're together, it just comes out of us. And I'm telling you right now, guys, if you are not having conversations after these conferences with one another, you're missing out on one of the greatest aspects of Kingdom Rise. Do not, and I'm what we're going to talk about today, do not just merely receive it has to be unloaded. It has to be talked about, discussed, processed, digested, shared with one another. Amen? Uh, and that is the way that this just continues to build on one another. Hear and listen to what each other is getting. Take notes and then go back and reread those notes and highlight those notes and get into the verses. And you've got to dig into this thing. And that's what we're trying to unveil. I've been on a journey now. Uh, with you since Monday on unveiling this mystery of the kingdom, the mystery 
of the kingdom. We saw Jesus having a conversation with the religious leader, the elite of the elite, the, the ones that should have been able to grasp this and seen this uh, based on man's qualifications or man's standards. They're skilled, they're knowledgeable, they're educated, they're intellectual, right? They're analytical. These are uh, men uh, that have given themselves to trying to understand the nature of God, who God is, God's laws and God's principles. But yet he says, we hear your great teaching. We see your signs and wonders. But Jesus says, man, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. And so we've been looking at this understanding that the degree to which you exhibit the kingdom, demonstrate the kingdom, live the kingdom, is always directly connected to your ability to hear and see the kingdom. And just because you can hear the powerful teachings and see the miracles and wonders does not mean you see the kingdom. Later on, he tells Nicodemus, you can see the effects of the wind, but you don't see where it's coming from. You can see the effects of the kingdom, but you are resorted to applauding a miracle, but never participating with one. And guys, Jesus did not come to show us what he could do. He came to show us what we could do. I'll say that again. Jesus did not just come to show us what he could do. He came to show us what we can do. He expected us to be active participants in this kingdom, not mere bystanders, not spectators, but participators, right? Getting us off the sideline, out of the grandstands and onto the playing field and being a part of the last day and time revival. Amen. And so he says, you can't even see the kingdom unless you're born again. So he sets a different standard for this born again life. Being born again to Jesus obviously meant something different to him than it has uh, become to us. Because what we fail to understand, we typically redefine. So we've redefined born again because we didn't understand being born again. We didn't understand it according to Jesus' standard that this is an invitation, a journey of discovery, of finding out all that the kingdom has for you. And we have reduced it to just entry level, just getting into something and then bystanding, waiting by, watching things take place, but never participating until we go to heaven. Is this making sense? Just giving a little recap. Yesterday, we talked about the treasure, the treasure, what you treasure, you attract. What you value, what you honor in your life, you get more of. Jesus made the statement in Matthew chapter 13 after he told the disciples, it's a mystery. To you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. A mystery is a secret thing or a hidden thing. Remember, it is not hidden from you. It is hidden for you. Say that again. It's not hidden from you. It's hidden for you. It's set apart for you, but it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some urgency. It's going to take some yieldedness of the heart. We talked about the posture of the heart. And if your heart is postured to receive, you'll get in abundance, he said. To him who has, more will be given. To the one who does not have, though. So if I posture myself in a way that I cannot hear, eventually I will not hear. Eventually, I will refuse to hear. And you can see all the signs and you'll still deny. You can hear all the powerful teaching and still be a, a doubter and an unbeliever, eventually becoming offended. I was going to go this morning in the direction of familiarity and uh, talking about because familiarity is the opposite of honor. 
when something becomes common, you have stepped away from honoring something. It's common. It's, and, and guys, this is the thing. In our lives today, I see the next generation in this room. Uh, I speak to my generation and above. What we treat as optional, they will treat as unnecessary. Brother Hagen said it. We are one generation away from not seeing the move of God. We ha- if, we, if we fail to pass it down, they will pass it up. If we don't pass it down, they will pass it up. It's up to us to show them the awe of God. It's up to, sh- up to us to show them the kingdom of God, the value and the honor for these things. But when, we, when our kids are urging us to get to church, are we going to church today? I mean, it's, it's time and we're not even, ah, you know. What are we passing down? They'll eventually pass it up. If it's optional to us, it'll be unnecessary to them. Okay? So, familiarity. And this is the thing. In Mark chapter 6, we've been talking about it. When he went home and preached in his hometown, Nazareth, they, be, they were familiar with him. When you become familiar, you're one step away from becoming offended. Because now it's common. Now I see the problems with it more than I see the blessing with it. Now I complain about the thing I once prayed for. This is what common does in our life. This is what familiarity does in our life. I now become offended with it. What's he, who do he think he is? This man from Nazareth doing these miracles and preaching these teachings and doing all these awesome wonders. Familiarity. Isn't he just a carpenter? Isn't he? Don't we live with his brothers and sisters? Didn't we grow up with him? It's familiarity. And when you treat something as familiar, you're one step away from becoming offended by it. But I'm not going to talk about familiarity today. My message today, I've titled it a better response. A better response. I want to take us back to Matthew chapter 13. It's kind of where we've been entrenched here. Jesus said the born again life should be marked by a kingdom experience. You can't even see the kingdom unless one is born again. And our born again life should not just be a mere praying a prayer and sitting around waiting to go to heaven. It should be marked by a journey and discovery of kingdom things, of kingdom reality, of a shifting of a perspective. That's what the born again life should be marked by. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus Uh, of course, gives the parable of the sower. We've been digging into this and his disciples come to him and say, why do you talk to them in these hard to understand stories? Hard to understand illustrations. We've always defined parables as a way that Jesus illustrated the kingdom, but it's actually a way that he concealed the kingdom. He hid the kingdom from people that didn't want to hear. If you won't hear, you don't hear. But he said to you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. You have ears to hear, you have eyes to see, right? Well, let's break down this parable. Starting in verse 18, we've gotten all the way up to this point. So let's finish this thing off. Verse 18, now listen to the explanation. And I'm reading out of the New Living. Listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message. Everyone say hear. Hear. 
hear the message about the kingdom, but don't understand it. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted. Everyone say planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear. Everyone say hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems. You know how many believers are one problem away from falling away from the word? <laughs> one crisis away. They are on the, there's no margin in their life whatsoever. We're not even talking a, a, a multitude of crisis after crisis. We're talking just one little hiccup and they're like, does this thing even work? Challenging and questioning. Because they don't have deep roots. They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are per persecuted for believing God's word. Verse 22 says, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear. Everyone say hear. hear. God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Verse 23 says, the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear. Everyone say hear. hear. And understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Notice that I had you repeat the word hear four times. It can be easy if we don't maintain the authenticity of the word to think, well, only one heard. Because one produced. How many produced? How many heard? How many produced? How many heard? This is a problem. This is a problem. It actually says even the one where the seed fell by the wayside heard. Guys, we're not talking about the world that is unaware of knowledge and truth. We're talking about people that sit in these chairs sit in these pews, sit on the same row with you. And on this row, we can have one of four responses. But all of them were in the environment to hear the word. Faith comes by. We got to hear. That's the starting point. We've got to hear something. How can they do unless they have heard? How can they be sent unless they have heard? The hearing is such a powerful component, but guys, there is a better response. So let's break these responses down. And then we're going to use a couple of illustrations, one that Pastor Daryl's already used so I can breeze through that one and then get to one more. I always have one in the chamber. Pastor Earl taught me that. I texted all my verses to Josh back there. Josh and Chase and I have been having so many conversations this week about all this stuff. And um, so I texted him my verses and then Pastor Daryl started preaching and I responded back to Josh's thing. He, he you know, said that he got them and I said, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> but I got another one in the chamber. So I, 
texted him another verse right down there. <laughs> As I've said, it's like, I know where I'm going then. Let's break down these responses. Verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about what? The kingdom. You know that there's only one real message that the enemy's after. The enemy is okay with you hearing messages as long as they have nothing to do with the kingdom. In fact, he'll flood you with messages that have nothing to do with the kingdom to make you feel like you've accomplished something, acquired something, been somewhere, done that, and at the end of the day, you're just as empty as you were before you sat through the talk, before you played the podcast, before you watched the YouTube video. He'll send them to you. You know that little sidebar on the right at YouTube that sends you? He, that, a lot of that stuff's in his content. It's not kingdom related. There's no power in it. No, but there is one message he's after. And it says that he comes immediately to snatch away the message about the kingdom. But it still says this. The evil one comes, and this is the seed on the wayside. The evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted it could be easy to think that the seed ended up on the wayside because of carelessness of the sower. But that's not what it says. It still says it was planted in their hearts. It ended up on the wayside because the receiver failed to honor it properly. See, when we get up here and hold this mic, we're casting seed. And we're not carelessly, recklessly just throwing seed around, hoping that it lands somewhere. We are sowing seed on soil. It's your response that determines, is this good soil? Wayside soil? Just gravel? Just remaining on the surface? Has nothing to do with the sower. It really ought to be called the parable of the soil. Because there's nothing wrong with the seed and there's nothing wrong with the sower. It's the soil that determines the results. Even the wayside stuff is not our problem. I'm honoring the, the call and the assignment that God's placed on my life to deliver the word. And I hold that in high value. Hold that in high honor to be in this position, not carelessly, recklessly, with, with reckless abandon, just, no, there's intentionality, there's effort. Are we challenge our church, do you give as much effort to receive the word as I give to deliver the word? Huh? What do you think I'm doing on the way to church in the morning? What do you think I'm listening to in the car on the way to church in the morning? What do you think's playing in my truck as I'm driving to the church? What do you think I'm in even before I deliver the word? This is kingdom rise, right? All right, didn't like that one. Let's try another one, okay? This is the seed on the wayside. It remains surface. But yet it was still planted, sown in the heart. Let's not remove that aspect. That's in there. The seed on the rocky soil, verse 20, represents those who hear the message. Again, we heard it. 
This one, we add a little more to it. And immediately receive it with joy. Everyone say receive it. Immediately receive it. So that means we have now two different accounts. One that as it's being ministered, it's just fallen on the wayside. It's not taken in. It's not received with joy. There's no value. There's no attention. You're scrolling Facebook, falling asleep, getting up and moving around, going to the bathroom 10 times. I just not name them all. I just identify it all. It's kingdom rise. Okay, that's the wayside stuff. God, you just wasted an hour and a half of your time. And if you're at Anchor Faith Church in St. Augustine, it's probably two and a half hours. <laughs> time's different down here on the coast. <laughs> you just wasted time. But now we've got those that immediately receive it. Everyone say receive. Receive, receive it with joy. What a powerful word, Pastor Mark. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's exciting. Oh, I get that. Oh, I see that. Oh, that's great. And there's a receptivity to it now. That's great. That's a step above just casually being in here, not even receiving the word. But it still says. But they don't have deep roots. They don't last long. Apparently, that's not even good enough. Filling the notebook, but living an empty life. Highlighting the verse, but not applying the verse. Y'all with me? We good? I've got to go a little further. I'm not the one thumbing through Facebook while Pastor Mark's preaching, while Pastor Earl's delivering the word, but I'm, I'm amening, I'm writing it down, I'm highlighting it, but I don't have it rooted in me. How do we get there? Okay, that's the second occurrence. It says that they fall away as soon as they have problems and are persecuted. And so, uh, guys, uh, some, some of us don't make it to the parking lot before we face a problem or persecution. <laughs> we got our arms lifted in here. Pastor Marcus is trampling all over this place. Worship team's doing an amazing job. But we get to the car and we're reminded of the bill, reminded of the circumstance, reminded of the sickness, reminded of the report, reminded of the issue. The enemy's coming immediately. I tell you what, if you don't honor the word, the devil does. He honors it in the sense that he values what it can produce in your life if you get a hold of it, and he'll go after it. Okay. But they don't have deep roots. Verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear. Everyone say hear. God's word. So this is the third occurrence now, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. And no fruit is produced. Uh, in this occurrence as well, in the, in the new King James, it doesn't have it here listed in the new living, but it says the same statement received it with joy. Once again, these are the individuals sitting in the service, raising their hands, worshiping God, taking the notes, highlighting the verses, receiving it with joy as it's being delivered. Now, if the enemy can't get you with persecutions and problems, then he'll get you with the deceitfulness of riches and the busyness of life. You know what busyness is, right? Busyness is artificial significance. Busyness is counterfeit purpose. 
It feels like purpose, but it's not. Greatest tragedy in life. Being busy and not effective. So if he can, it's artificial, what I say? Artificial significance, counterfeit purpose. Artificial significance. Feels like it, even kind of little looks like it. When you get to the root of it, it's worth nothing. A counterfeit dollar bill is worth nothing. But it's got a feel and a look. It, it, it tries to replicate as much as it can, but at the end of the day has no value whatsoever. And so if he can't get you with circumstances, challenges, man, you're rebuking the devil, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, da, da, da. I overcome, I'm a conqueror. Then what he will do is he'll make you so busy and so deceited by the lure of wealth and the lure of uh, acquiring things and the lure of the world We see it all the time. Popularity. Look, we are, we are a sports household. Baseball is, we love it. I've passed that on to one, at least one. We'll see. Austin seems to be taking well to it as well. Sit down and watch this baseball game right now. Let me tell you, let me talk to you about a double play. But it's not king. And we started this whole travel ball deal. And, you know, travel balls on the weekends. Well, I work on the weekends. And it's not an option. We've told Camden from day one, you, you will not play in any two-day tournaments. It's not happening. You're not going to miss church to be playing baseball. Now, Saturday, man, we're out there. I mean... All day. We got home. There was one time we got home at 2.30 in the morning. We got there at 8.30 in the morning. Left the house at 6.30 that morning because it was two hours away. Played till we, he was playing. He was on the field at 12.45 a.m. On the field. Came in second. Got home. Guess what I was doing the next morning? Guess what we were doing the next morning? We're in church. I know, what I'm, I know what I'm doing, but it's not going to compromise my call. I'm not going to get, the kingdom gets, gets reduced in our life as we accumulate more things in our life. That's what we're going to look at with the rich young ruler. The more he had, the harder it was for him to gain the kingdom. He had too much to gain. Okay. So now we have this lure of wealth. We have this cares of the world, the busyness of life. Look at this in the Passion Translation. Let's just read through this and break it down. Verse 18, now you are ready. Everyone say, I'm ready. Now you are ready to hear the explanation of the parable of the sower. What was sown along the path represents the one who listens to the message of the kingdom but doesn't understand it. The adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown into his heart. Verse 20 says, the one sown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. Everyone say received. Then he quickly falls away, for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. The one sown among thorns represents one who receives, everyone say receives, the message, but all of life's busy distractions 
his divided heart, here it is, his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and it becomes fruitless. (laughs) Oh, this is so good. Oh my goodness. But what was sown on good, rich soil represents the one who hears, and here it is, fully embraces. Everyone say fully embraces the message of the kingdom. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as what was sown. Let's look at this in the Amplified. The Amplified. Listen to the meaning of the parable of the sower. While anyone is hearing the word of the kingdom and does not grasp and comprehend it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the roadside. As for what was sown on thin, rocky soil, this is he who hears the word and at once welcomes and accepts it with joy. Yet, it has no real root in him, but it's temporary. Look at these words, temporary, inconstant, lasts but a little while. And when affliction or trouble or persecution comes on account of the word, at once he is caused to stumble, he is repelled and begins to distrust and desert him whom he ought to trust and obey, and he falls away. Oh, it's so good. Verse 22, as for what was sown among thorns, this is he who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the pleasure and delight and glamour and deceitfulness of riches choke and suffocate the word and it yields no fruit. What was sown on good soil, this is he who hears the word, grasps and comprehends it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundred times as much as what was sown in another 60 times and another 30. This is the key. This This is what I want you to get. A word received without a proper response will fail to yield the desired result. I'll say it again. A word received without a proper response, will fail to yield the desired result. A word received without a proper response, a better response. Going to church, not enough. Going to church and being checked out, not enough. Going to church and thumbing through things, being distracted, not enough. Going to church, receiving it with joy, Shouting amen, still not enough. Jerking and jiggling, as Pastor Roddy said, not enough. Being moved emotionally in the presence, not enough. Guys, we need to get to a point where we value the word over presence because his word can do far more for you than the presence can. I'm thankful for the presence of God, but there was a Roman centurion who had the greatest faith of all that said, I don't need your presence in the room. I need your word. If you'll send your word, you'll heal him and deliver him from all his diseases. Just speak a word only and my servant will be healed. Because you can't take Pastor Marcus and the worship team with you. You can't take us with you. If you're always requiring an external measure to make an impact on your life, you live at the mercy of the external. It's about internalizing this. It's about getting it deeply rooted on the inside. It's about being so confident, so assured, nothing can move me, nothing can shake me, nothing can cause me to doubt or disbelieve what the word has to say. You become like an Israelite wandering through the wilderness, living from miracle to miracle, but never gaining the heart of the Father. 
Miracles have their place. But miracles should always point you back to the word and to the heart of the Father. Hopefully we'll see that here in a minute. A word received without a proper response will fail to yield the desired result. Revelation demands both reception and responsiveness. I'll say that again. Revelation demands both reception and responsiveness. I pray this over our church. I started doing this. I don't know. It's probably been at least two or three years. I pray this over our church every single time I minister. Father, I pray that we have minds that are receptive and hearts that are responsive. I pray that we have minds that are receptive to receive the word, but receiving the word without responding to the word will still leave me fruitless. It'll still leave me. This is a mystery. Mysteries are discovered not by information, but by revelation. I gave you my testimony yesterday of when the kingdom message first came, and I was relying on information. I was reading the books. I was listening to the ministers, but I was trying to be informed of the kingdom rather than having the kingdom revealed. There's only one way that he will bring the kingdom. It's through revelation. It's the only way. And revelation demands both receiving and responding. There's a better response. Everyone say there's a better response. There's a better response. Mark chapter four. This is the parable of the sower in Mark's account. Not my account. There's another Mark. Mark chapter four. And in wrapping it up, Jesus says this in verse 24. Verse 24. And he said to them, pay attention. Everyone say, pay attention. Pay attention to what you hear. This is what he says. By the measure you use it. See, we thought hearing was a passive word. Hearing is, a, in Jesus' context, is an active word. That what I hear should be put to use. Pay attention. The measure that you use it will be measured back to you. I wonder how many believers are expecting more in return than what they have put in. You know, we, we, you heard that statement, they're too poor to pay attention. <laughs> pay, pay, pay attention. What's that? There's a cost involved. Be leery of a gospel that doesn't cost you anything. Be leery of a gospel that doesn't require anything of you. Be skeptical, cautious, apprehensive of a gospel that doesn't demand anything from you, that freely gives you everything with, you just do whatever you want. It's covered in grace and mercy and love. No, the love demands a response. Grace demands a response. Mercy demands a response. I live from heaven now. I don't live from the earth anymore. Pay attention. There's a cost involved. Cost, cost always determines value. You don't pay for what you don't value. And Jesus is saying, I'm not bringing my 
valuable word, my valuable kingdom down to your level of cost, you're going to pay the cost. It's a high price, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Pay attention to what you hear by the measure you use it, not hear it, not receive it. By the measure you respond to it, that's what you'll get in return. Too many of us are wondering why we're not seeing signs, demonstrations, wonders, because I've heard the word and I know the word and I believe the word. But if the believing isn't producing uh, 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 action associated with it, faith and obedience walk together. We heard that yesterday. Then you don't really value it. It's not costing you anything. The Amplified says, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of, here it is, thought and study. You what? Give. We thought hearing the word was, what, uh, was about what I get. I'm coming to church to get a word. Everybody wants to get a word. What are you going to give in response? You know, a prophetic word doesn't do anything in your life if you don't obey the word given. Why are we demanding the word to produce results in our life when we're not responding appropriately? It provides power. It provides life. But what I do with that life and what I do with that power is what determines the results. What I do with the word determines what the word will do for me. What I do with the word determines what the word will do for me. A better response. Well, at least I'm going to church, but you're distracted. Well, at least I'm raising my hands and worshiping. But what is the response out of here? How deeply rooted is the word in you? How much do you value it? What's the price that you pay? Because here's the thing, guys. If it doesn't cost you anything, then it's not worth anything. If it doesn't cost anything from you, then it's not worth anything to you. I think it was Willie George back in the 80s. He used to travel. Uh, he, he pastored church on the moves. He's handed the church off to his son now back in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But he used to travel and teach uh, ch- uh, churches how to do uh, uh, children's ministry because that was his vein. That was his sector. He had the gospel bill show and, and all that, you know, and he would travel and he said he used to do them for free and couldn't get anybody to come out. I'm, this is a free thing. We're just, just come out. Nobody would come. He said he started church and charging $25. And because people paid for something, they valued it and they came. Isn't that interesting? The, the first year, the first year that we were here in 2004, uh, uh, the, my first weekend here, I moved here July 4th weekend. It was like July 1st, July 2nd, drove all the way from Texas, came out here. We're not going to talk about all the details. <laughs> we can leave that in. That's BC days. We did a, uh, we handed out water bottles at the fort on July 4th where the fireworks go off here in St. Augustine. You'd be amazed at how hard it is to hand out a cold (laughs) bottle of water on a blistering July 4th afternoon. People are just like, you know, they're like, what do you want? We're just giving you water. And here's a little piece of paper about Anchor Faith Church. 
That's all we're doing. They'd rather pay $4 over here at the little vendor. Guys, you don't, you don't want a free. There are things that are freely given to us that are made a gift to us. But there's got to be a cost involved. There's got to be an effort involved. There's got to be a, a intentionality involved. Y'all getting something? He goes on down Matthew chapter 13. Remember, this is the parable that explains all the other parables. If you don't understand this one, you won't grasp the other ones. He jumps down to verse 44. Heaven's kingdom, in the Passion Translation, heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. What? <laughs> I'm telling you, the kingdom will flip everything on its head. He hid the treasure again. Now watch the following actions. He discovered there was a hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again because of uncovering such treasure. He was overjoyed. But notice that being overjoyed about the treasure doesn't help him gain the treasure. He was overjoyed, then sold all. Everyone say all. all. That word in the Greek uh, is the word all. It means all. <laughs> all right, that one fell a little flat. <laughs> so all that he possessed, all that he possessed, all that he had to buy the entire, not just the treasure, the entire field just so he could have the treasure. Verse 45, heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all, it's that same word all, that he had in exchange for it. When you come in this room on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, in a conference, whatever, there's an exchange taking place. What am I laying down? Not just what am I taking up? The kingdom is not something you add to. It's something that replaces something I had before. And so the rich young ruler, without getting into it, he was looking to add something to his profile. I loved how you put that. Looking to add to, he, remember, he's a rich, young ruler. He's got a lot of wealth. He's of young age, got a whole life in front of him. And he's a ruler. He's a man of influence. What else does he need? And so Jesus says, well, you know, the commandments. And I love the statement. And Pastor Daryl pointed out, I have kept all these things from my youth. I think the Amplified reads, I have, I, I have uh, something along the lines of, I have not violated these commands. What's he resting on? What's he putting his wealth in? What, what's he putting his trust in? My ability. He's building his own kingdom. Jesus' kingdom looks attractive to him. And so Jesus says, okay, are you willing to burn down your kingdom to gain my kingdom? I have kept. He was really good at getting and he was really good at keeping. I've kept. I've kept, 
I've kept and I value keeping over laying down to gain something else. Just go ahead and turn there. Mark chapter 10. We'll throw it on the screen because I need to point out a couple things. Verse 20, he said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these things. And you know that he's good at gaining because he has, he's a rich young ruler. He's gained something in life. And Jesus looks at him and says, you lack one thing. And I had that in my notes, just as Pastor Daryl said, man, we were right on. I, 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 man, it was just, you didn't just lack one thing, but you lacked the most important thing. Because you lacking this thing is the reason why you're lacking everything else in your life. It's a priority issue. Does that sound familiar? Matthew chapter six. Seek ye what? Do you think that there's other seeking that's supposed to take place after you seek the kingdom? No, it's not seek first and then seek everything else. Seek first and you'll find that seeking this will replace all the other seeking you'll ever have to do in your life. You lack one thing. I'm, there's a lot of things you lack, but if you fix this one, it'll fix all these two. It's priority. Jesus loved him. I love that they left that in there. They were loving words. These are not rebuking words. These are not condemning words. It might be challenging. But where there's no confrontation, there's no growth. Where there's no challenge, there's no growth. We said it yesterday. You can have comfort or you can have growth, but you cannot have both. And the kingdom will disrupt. The kingdom will challenge. The kingdom will confront my way, my will, the self-will, the obstinate, the in my position, the selfishly ambitious. I mean, it, it's, all this stuff starts rising to the surface only because Jesus knows what I have to give you in return far outweighs what you're holding on to. It's a matter of value. It's a matter of honor. In verse 22, it says he was dismayed by this demand and went away grieving. Why? Because he had many possessions. Jesus goes on and he relates this to entering the kingdom because in verse 23, he looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have wealth to, here it is, enter the kingdom. That's what got us started on this whole thing in John chapter three. Unless you're born again, you cannot see or enter the kingdom. Why are we coming to church, filling notebooks, highlighting Bibles, listening to podcasts, accumulating all this? It's because we have been more uh, interested in what we gain than what we give. Be leery of a kingdom that doesn't require anything of you. He goes on and he talks to his disciples. His disciples say, you know, my goodness, if he can't get in the kingdom, then there's no hope for any of us poor, broke little fishermen. He says, I'm not talking about natural wealth. I'm talking about what you deem valuable. In verse 28, Peter tells him, look, I could just see Peter like, hey, whoa, we, we left everything and followed you. <laughs> That's not us. <laughs> That's him. We've left it all, man. You said, come follow me. I'll make you fishermen. We, I put down the net. I came and followed you. Yeah. We left home. We left father. We left mother. We left comfort. We left familiarity. We left everything we knew. We left our jobs. We left it all. Hey, we're here. We're here. 
In the Amplified, verse 23, Mark 10, verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, with what difficulty all those who possess wealth and keep on holding it. I received it with joy, but I kept holding. There's a better response. Receiving a word and failing to respond to it will still not produce the desired result. What's the proper response? Josh and I, we've been talking, Josh Clay back there, we've been talking, like I said, last several days. I'm going to give him credit on one. We shoot each other little, little texts and things. I'll give him credit on one. He said this, how do you know if someone has the kingdom when they have nothing left but the kingdom? The mystery, it's hidden. It's hidden not from you, but for you. How do you know when someone has the kingdom when they have nothing left but the kingdom? Matthew chapter six, verse 33 in the Amplified reads this way. But seek, aim at, and strive after. I love that. First of all, his kingdom and his righteousness his way of doing and being right. We talked about yieldedness yesterday. We talked about obedience yesterday. We talked about the posture of the heart yesterday. And then what? All these things taken together will be given you besides. Notice what you gain in response to giving up. God never asked for you to give at your deficiency. He always asks you to give so that you can gain. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. We'll just go straight to the Amplified. You know, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Let's read it in the Amplified. Verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ. Notice that raising with Christ, kingdom rise. But there is following action required. If then you have been raised with Christ, meaning since you, it's that, that the word if is actually defined since, since you have been raised with Christ. Here's the appropriate response. Since you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead. Here it is again. Aim at and seek the rich, eternal, what? That's what we're talking about. The treasure in the field, the mystery of the kingdom, the hidden thing. No one takes treasures and just leaves it laying around in common places. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not. What's the appropriate response? I don't get the response of not sinning until I value and hide the word, treasure the word value the word, honor the word. The rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the father. Verse two, and set your minds. And here it is. Keep them set. I don't know how many times I've heard someone minister a kingdom message, come back a year later and it's absent. You can, it's evident it's not there. 
It's, 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 not, it's not laced. Uh, they're not lacing the kingdom into every, weaving the kingdom, intertwining the kingdom in every element the way that it ought to be. You can tell the difference. It's because they set their mind, but they didn't stay set. There's, an, uh, there's another action involved here. Set your minds and keep them set on what is above, which tells me that there is something trying to get me to get my mind off of the things that I once had them set on. Whether it be the persecutions or the trials of life, or whether it be the busyness and distractions of life. Set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. For as far as this world is concerned, you have died. You have died. And your new real life is what? I love when it comes full circle. A mystery is what? A hidden thing. Your life is a mystery. A mystery that should be discovered. A mystery that needs to be unveiled. He wants to make known to you the mysteries of the kingdom, the mystery of his plan from the beginning of times, before the beginning of the age, what he put in place, what he set in motion for you and I, it's a mystery and it requires value, honor, urgency, and intentionality to go in and dig up this treasure. But what is the price you'll pay? What is the cost that you'll pay? Because if it doesn't cost you anything, it won't be worth anything. One more in the message and we'll wrap it up here. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, anybody serious? The implication is that there are those that aren't serious. If you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. There's a better response. He says, pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. The things right in front of you, this is what he's saying, is you're missing what's right in front of you because you're distracted by the things all around you. Look up, he says. Be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, <laughs> even though invisible ah, to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. We must learn to value the hidden things. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.